Hey, let's start this series off by talking favorite Christmas movies, all right? How many of you guys would say your favorite Christmas movie of all time is one of the classics, like Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life? How many of you guys? Okay, a few, a few of you guys. How many of you would say, no, my favorite is a neo-classic like Elf? That's my favorite. Okay, not necessarily Elf it might be, but one of the newer ones like that, okay? How many of you guys say, you know what? I want to bring it back to my childhood. My favorite Christmas movie is an animated one. So maybe it's like Claymation Rudolph or it's a Charlie Brown Christmas. How many of you guys say that would be your favorite? And then how many of you guys are nonconformists and you would say, my favorite Christmas movie is a non-traditional one like Die Hard or Gremlins? Okay, a few of you guys are. A few of you guys are. It's tough for me to choose a favorite Christmas film. I really have a hard time choosing just one. But my favorite just might be Home Alone. That might be my favorite Christmas movie of all time. If you didn't see Home Alone, if you're unfamiliar with this story, it is the, uh, it's the tale of an eight-year-old boy named Kevin McAllister who was accidentally left home alone while his parents went on vacation overseas. Now, that's every parent's worst nightmare, right? I don't have kids, but I can only imagine if you're a parent, leaving your kid while you go to the other side of the planet is A, just plain bad parenting, but B, it is the stuff of nightmares. For me, though, when I first saw that movie, it came out when I was 10 years old. I saw it the year it came out, and uh, I just put myself in Kevin McAllister's shoes. It was just like the coolest thing ever to think that, man, the family might leave, and I could be all by myself, and robbers could come over, and I could set all these sweet traps, and you know, it would just be amazing. So I really identified with uh, Kevin McAllister the first time I saw Home Alone, and so uh, every year, basically, around Christmas time, I'll watch it, or at least I'll watch portions of it. I also quote Home Alone all the time, you guys. So if you ever hear me saying something weird and you're like, what is he even talking about? I'm either quoting Friends, The Office, or it could be Home Alone. So every single time my wife and I go skiing, you can ask her, it's the most annoying thing in the world. Every time we go skiing, the first lift up of the day, as soon as we're about to get off, I look over at her and I say, this is it. Don't get scared now. Every single time. And I'm quoting Home Alone. Often, I'll see a picture. It could be a picture of anything. It doesn't even matter what it is, just anything. If, if I see a picture in front of me, I'll say, Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. And people are like, what is this kid even talking about? I'm just quoting Home Alone because it's one of my favorite movies. I've seen it so many times I've lost count. How many of you have seen your favorite Christmas movie at least 10 times? Okay, most of you guys have. Good. I think that's normal. It wouldn't be your favorite, or or you wouldn't watch it a lot if it wasn't your favorite. Now, have you ever noticed, though, that when you watch a film, especially a Christmas film, something you've seen a lot, that every time you watch it, you end up watching it just a little bit differently than you did the time before. It's always different than the first time you ever saw it, because each successive viewing of a movie, you know what's coming. You're aware of all the dialogue. You can quote it as they say it. And the other people in your family are like, shut up and let them say what they're going to say. We don't want to hear you. We want to hear the movie. You know all the plot points. Nothing is surprising, right? You know that Kevin got left at home. It's not a surprise. And you know the burglars show up. And you know that his family finds him. And everything works out okay in the end. When you've seen a movie multiple times, it kind of loses its oomph, right? The story just kind of gets lost. And so what ends up happening is that although it's your favorite Christmas movie, you'll turn it on and let it run in the background and not pay too much attention to it, will you? 
It's your favorite movie. And you'll just let it play and you'll chuckle every once in a while, but you're not really engaged because you know what they're going to say and you already know what they're going to do. In fact, you might be tempted like me to fast forward through the beginning parts and get to where the robbers show up because that's when the fun begins. You just skip ahead. You pay half attention. You're, even your favorite Christmas story just becomes a bit of background noise. Now, the reason that I bring this up is because I think that you and I do the exact same thing with the Christmas story. Every year, we run the risk of bringing so much awareness of the Christmas story. We're like, yeah, baby, manger, cattle, angels, shepherds, all that stuff. We run the risk of bringing so much knowledge. You can quote many of the verses in the story. We run the risk of bringing so much awareness of the story of the birth of Jesus that even though we're surrounded by it for almost an entire month every year, it just becomes a bit of background noise. It's comforting background noise, and you'll tune in to a part here or a part there, but it's just like your brain goes on autopilot around Christmas. You get focused on all the things that you have to do, all the people that you have to buy gifts for. And so the story, the meaning, the actual narrative behind the original Christmas, it just gets lost in all the noise and issues that are going on in the background. Now, what ends up happening is we miss out on the really powerful aspects of this story because we don't really pay attention to it anymore because we know what's coming. We know he's not going to get a room in the inn. We know she's going to give birth in a stable. We know wise men are going to show up. We know all of these things, and so we just kind of barely pay attention, and we forget that this is the greatest story ever told. We forget that this narrative about the birth of Jesus is powerful, Believe it or not, this story that you've heard hundreds and hundreds of times, the same story that you tune out every single year, has the power to transform your life. Whether you've heard it 100 times or this is the first time you've ever given it a serious listen. So in the month of December, we're actually going to be doing a series called Fresh Eyes. And we want you to see the Christmas story, perhaps in some ways that you've never seen it before. We're going to pull out some details of this story that might be lost on you, things that might fade in the background, or maybe portions of the story that you've never heard before. We're going to highlight specific characters each week so you can kind of understand, all right, what was it like for these people in the original Christmas? What was going through their mind when all of this was actually happening? If this is the greatest story ever told, we're going to spend the next month talking about the parts that rarely get told, all right? The greatest story ever told, we're going to talk about the parts that rarely ever get uh, told. And, And here's the cool thing. I think as we walk through this particular series, you're actually going to connect more deeply with the Christmas story. And that's a wonderful thing, because as we'll talk about this morning, the Christmas story is powerful, it's transformative. I also think that you're going to connect more deeply with the Christmas season as well. And that's a good thing, because you might show up here this morning and you're like, yeah, I'm not really a church person, I don't really believe in this whole Jesus thing, Uh, a family member invited me, or I just wandered in because it looked like something cool was going on, thought I was going to see a free movie, joke's on you. Um, I don't know why you're here, but especially if you come from a more skeptical perspective, 
The Christmas story is one of the perfect places for you to dive into the Bible. A, because it is familiar. You're going to know a lot of this story, whether you realize it or not. But also because as you come to understand this story more deeply, you're going to connect with this entire season. My goal is to take Joshua from the Bah Humbug to the Merry Christmas side. And the rest of you guys too, that you would look forward to Christmas because you understand what a wonderful story is told each and every Christmas. Season. All right. Now, I'm excited about telling you this story. We're going to dive into it this morning. And I'm excited because this is a really fascinating story in the Bible. This is so interesting, right? It starts with all of these plot points, these circumstances, these happenings that, quite frankly, if this story was made up, they don't make a lot of sense. I mean, think about it. This story starts with a frightened, pregnant, teenage girl. Then the story moves on, and the second main component is a, is a, a fiancé, a future husband, who's thinking about leaving, walking away from his pregnant fiancé, his soon-to-be wife. So we've got this scandalous pregnancy. We've got a guy who's thinking about walking away from his responsibilities because he's not totally sure that he can trust his fiancé. you got a manger a dirty, smelly, disgusting manger. I mean, seriously, like why is it that Jesus was denied a room at the inn? Does God not have connections? Like, does he not have some, some angles that he can work, somebody he can call up and say, my son's about to be born, can you guys let him in? No, it's like Jesus got the short end of this story. I have to wonder, this is just me personally, but I have to wonder if somebody in heaven didn't get in trouble for failing to book the room like on Expedia, you know? God's like, seriously, the one detail we really needed to have lined up. No, that's not how it went. This was all on purpose. The story happened the way it did for a reason. Now, if you and I were writing this story, we would not have written it the way that it actually happened. We wouldn't have included the details that are in there. In fact, if you and I were writing the Christmas story, you know what? We would write it so that everything worked out nicely. We would write it so that Jesus was born powerful and connected. There would be parades and parties and birth announcements. It would be like the most epic celebration ever. If we were making up a story about God's son being born, he would not be born a poor Israeli kid who was literally born in an animal stable. Those are not the details that you and I would include if we were writing the story. We wouldn't write the story this way. And do you know how I know that you and I would not write the story the way that it's written in the Bible? Because you and I try to write our own stories in a different manner than what God often does. That is that there are things we want to see true of our lives and when God tries to do something different, when he tries to bring an unexpected plot twist or a hard left, when he throws a curveball at you, you want to fight against it. You want to say, no, 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 no. That's not the story that I want told about my life. In fact, we, we could say it like this. We wouldn't write the Christmas story the way that God did because we don't often agree with the way that God is writing our story. We want things to work out. If I'm writing my story, 
or if I can influence God at all in my story, then I want things to work out. I want to be powerful. I want to be well-connected. I want to be well-respected. I want to be, you know, like six foot. You know, it's just like, I want all of these things. And if I'm writing the story, those are the sorts of details that I want included. I don't want the hard stuff. I don't want the unexpected stuff. I don't want the things that throw me for a loop and frighten me and make me wonder what in the world is going on. And so we've got this story where there are all of these unexpected plot twists, all of these details that seem strange and confusing and difficult for both the people that are in them, but also for us as well. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at one of the characters, just one of the people in this story, and this person understands what it's like to have a plot twist thrown at them. This person understands what it's like for your story to be totally different than what you had envisioned, for things to not go the way that they had planned. This plot twist that they go through, it is truly one of the most unexpected and shocking twists that they could have ever hoped to experience. This person knows what it's like to experience or to look uh, drama and uncertainty and fear and confusion in the face. They know what all that's like. And yet in the middle of this crazy circumstance, in the middle of all of this uncertainty and fear, this person is going to say something that is so powerful if you will grab a hold of it. If you will own this prayer that they speak, if you will make it your own, if you will say this in the middle of your own uncertainty, in the middle of your own difficult circumstances, I promise you it will allow you to see not only the Christmas story and season in a fresh light with fresh eyes, it will allow you to see your own story with fresh eyes of faith and hope. So let's look at the passage here. It's Luke Uh, Chapter number one, we're going to start right in the beginning of the book of Luke, and we're going to kind of take this piecemeal this morning. So we'll read a few verses, we'll stop and talk about them, and then we'll move on to the next, all right? Luke chapter number one, we've got the verses here on the screen for you. You can follow along there or read along in your copy of the Bible. We're reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Luke chapter number one, let's start reading in verse number 26. The scripture says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, let's stop there for a sec. You're like, who the heck is Elizabeth? I thought Jesus' mama was named Mary. You're right. Jesus' mother is named Mary. Elizabeth is her cousin. And Elizabeth has been trying to have a baby for a long time and has not been able to. Then we read earlier in the book of Luke that she gets an angelic visit. God uh, predicts that she's going to have a baby, and sure enough, she ends up pregnant. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the town of Nazareth, a village in the region of Galilee. And he sent Gabriel to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. If you're not super familiar with the Bible, in the Old Testament, there's a really important character by the name of David. You know David from the story of David and Goliath. It's the same guy. That happened when he was a teenager, David and Goliath. By the time he grows up, he actually becomes king of the entire nation. He has this big family, and he becomes a very important family in the nation of Israel. And Joseph Joseph is a part of his lineage. So the scripture says, um, 
that he was a descendant of King David, Gabriel appeared to Mary and he said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think, what could the angel mean? Hey, I love how honest the Bible is, you guys. I really do. I love the fact that it doesn't present Mary as the hero. So she's like, oh, what's up, angel? Good to see you. Are you here to give me good news? No, the Bible says when an angel shows up to this teenage girl, she is both confused and disturbed. Now, I don't know how often an angel has ever appeared to you and called you highly favored, but my guess is if that happens to you this afternoon, you will also be confused and disturbed. This does not happen all the time, you guys. This is not a regular occurrence in the Bible. And so when it happens, and the Bible tells us that Mary is shocked and she's uncertain and she doesn't know what to make of all of this, it's because it's telling us the story of a true girl and what she actually went through. It doesn't whitewash the story. It doesn't present her as a perfect hero. It shows her with all of her foibles, all of her uncertainties and unbelief, and it says she was confused and disturbed. Now, we haven't read the verse yet. We will in just a moment. But the angel is going to say to her the same thing that an angel says every time it appears to a human in Scripture. Do you know what an angel says? Every time an angel appears to a person, it says the exact same thing. Do you know what it is? Do not be afraid because this stuff doesn't happen all the time. If you think we're like kooky Christians and we think there are angels everywhere and, you know, behind every rock is a demon and all this stuff, like, that's not the truth. When you read in the scripture, do you know what you find out? There are only a few times that an angel shows up and does something like this. Three examples where Gabriel shows up in the Bible and makes a birth announcement. The first one was with a couple way back in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Their name was Abraham and Sarah. And the angel shows up and says, you guys are going to have a baby. The second time was with a couple named Elizabeth and Zechariah in the New Testament. They're the ones we just talked about, uh, Mary's cousins, right? And so the angel showed up and said, hey, you guys are going to have a baby. His name is John. He's going to be called the baptizer. John the Baptist is what we know him as. And then the angel shows up the third time to Mary. And he says, you're going to give birth to a baby. Now, the interesting thing here is that the first two birth announcements are met with skepticism. Again, I I just cannot hammer this point home enough, you guys. You think, oh, the heroes of the Bible, when God showed up and said something to them, they're like, okay, cool, let's make it happen. No, every single one of them were confused and disturbed. They laughed when the angel showed up in the book of Genesis and said, you guys are going to have a baby. They're like, no way, that's not going to happen. They didn't believe the angel when he said, Zechariah and Elizabeth, you're going to have a baby. And so again and again, we see these characters in the Bible, and they're not perfect people. They're not heroes that you'll never measure up to. They are normal folks just like you and me. And they responded to these amazing things that God was doing in the exact same way that you and I would respond to. Now, uh, let's look at the way Mary responded. The first two announcements were met with skepticism. Let's look at the way that Mary responds to it here. We'll start reading in uh, verse number three. The angel says, here it is, do not be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. That's a, that's a, a phrase or a title that refers to God. He'll be called the Son of God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So this is a prophecy, a prediction about Jesus and the fact that even though he's born from very low means, he's going to go on to become the central figure in human history. He is going to fulfill the lineage or the, the, the um, family line of David, his great, 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 great grandfather, and God is going to use him to do something really, really big in the world. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And then verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how? How can this happen? I am still a virgin. Mary asks a really good question here, you guys. She's like, I don't understand how any of this can happen. I still have my V card, you know? That's the 21st century version there. Hasn't been punched yet. Um, I don't get it. This does not make sense. I cannot be pregnant. I can't give birth because I have a fiance and he and I have never, you know, and we never, I haven't with anybody else. Like this is completely crazy. Now, this is the moment where you get to either let this fade into background noise and you're like, yeah, okay, so the angel's gonna say, oh, trust God and he'll do his thing. Everything will work out okay. You can let that happen in your mind Or you can see this story through fresh eyes. Or you can look at this and not read it as someone who already knows the ending. Don't read it as somebody who's seen the rest of the book of Luke and the other gospels in the New Testament so that you understand where this story is eventually going. No, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a scared, pregnant teenage girl. Some of you had a pregnancy scare when you were a teenager. You know what she's feeling, all right? You are in her shoes, and you are totally unsure how this can be. Where is this going? Why? I didn't ask for any of this. I don't want you to read this story and and try to sort out the mechanics of this. You know, you're like, all right, I mean, I didn't get an A in biology, but I got a B in biology. And like, I know for an egg to be fertilized, you got to have sperm cell. And if she didn't, like, how's that even going to work? I mean, can you explain how this is going to come to pass, Gabriel? I don't want you to do that. I want you to focus on that. I also, I don't want you to focus on like um, whether or not this word, like there's an academic debate that goes on where some people say, oh, the word in Hebrew that's translated as virgin doesn't really mean virgin. It just means young girl. That's bunk. It doesn't like, that's not true. But I don't even want you to get wrapped up in kind of those theological debates, okay? I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes. I want you to feel the weight of the uncertainty and the fear. I want that to just settle over you and make you scared and uncomfortable, just like it did for her. I don't want you to assume, oh, everything's going to work out. I want you to freak out a little bit, because Mary freaked out in this passage. There's no doubt in my mind that Mary was scared in her mind with what she had to endure and soak in in that moment. Do you want to know what Mary was thinking about? Mary wasn't thinking like, mechanically, how exactly is this going to work? She wasn't worried about that. 
She wasn't worried about like theological debates about the Messiah and am I the right person and all that. So she wasn't worried about any of that. You know what Mary was worried about? She was worried about the law in the first century. Do you know that the law of the land in the first century was that any girl who turned up pregnant outside of marriage could be stoned to death by the village men? That was the rule in her city. So when the angel shows up and says, greetings, highly favored woman, you're about to give birth. And she says, how is this happening? How can this possibly be? I'm still a virgin. She understands in that moment, this good news the angel's bringing has instantly put her her life in danger. If this gets out, she might honestly die. And that's not exaggeration. That's not hyperbole. That's for real. That's what happened in the first century to girls who were in her situation. Even if the village elders took pity on her and they said, okay, we're not going to stone you. Do you understand this announcement was likely the death of her life? It was the death of her plans for life. Mary had thought, okay, I'm going to get married to Joseph. He's a good guy. He's a carpenter. He's got a solid business. We'll have a mess of babies. I'm going to grow up and live a happy middle-class Jewish life. That's what she was expecting. And in one instant, with one announcement, all that was taken from her. Because the likelihood is her husband's not going to believe that an angel showed up and said, God has actually made you pregnant. And when Joseph leaves... When he puts his wife away, he essentially divorces her. In those days, even if you were engaged, there was an actual ceremony where you would divorce somebody that you were engaged from. When that happened, Mary was not free to marry somebody. Mary was not free to get married to somebody else after. So this was the death of the life that she had planned for herself since she was a little girl. This was the end of everything she expected in her world. You look at it as background noise. Oh, how sweet. You're going to give birth to baby Jesus. And she was freaking out because this was unexpected. This was scary. This was not at all what she wanted. Now, I'm guessing you've never had an immaculate conception yourself. I think I'm pretty safe in saying that. You probably never had a basic angel visit before. You probably never had an angel show up and say anything to you, but you can identify with Mary. You actually get where she's coming from. You understand what she's going through because your life has also been full of plot twists. Your life has also been full of unexpected changes. There have been things that God has brought your way and they have left you afraid and uncertain, you're saying to God, no, 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 this is not supposed to be my story. I wasn't supposed to go through this. No, I was supposed to be married by the time I'm 30. That was was our deal, God. That was the plan, right? God, I thought by this point, I would be working in the field that I got my degree in. I just assumed, you know, if I went to college and spent the money and got the degree, that I would actually be working in that field one day, and yet I'm not, and that's frustrating. That's difficult for me, God. 
You've had situations where you've had to look to God and say, God, I, I thought I was going to be healthy. I didn't know that I was going to have this, this constant sickness, this ongoing issue that I have to deal with day in and day out. That's not fair. It's not right that I have to battle through this. Do you see everybody else? They don't have these sorts of problems, God. You've had plot twists. You've had unexpected happenings in your life, things you could never plan for, things you never asked for, and when they hit, you're left with the same emotions as Mary. You're afraid, you're uncertain, you're not sure what you should do moving forward. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I've had one of those big plot twists in my own life, one of those hard lefts that was never expected right? Like I've shared with you guys before that I had fully expected by the time I was 37 years old that I would have a family. And I don't. And there have been times in my life when I've looked up at God and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. This teenage girl got pregnant miraculously and we can't get pregnant naturally? That's not fair. That wasn't the story I asked for, God. And so it causes us to start asking these questions. Can God be trusted? is everything actually going to be okay? Like, should I keep pushing forward with what my plans were or should I just give up and and focus on something else? You see, Mary's story is so completely different from ours because we're not dealing with this particular issue, giving birth to the Messiah, but it really is our story because it's the death of what we thought was going to happen It's a plot twist we never asked for, and it's a plot twist we never really wanted. So in the middle of all this fear and uncertainty, the angel speaks to Mary, and he speaks to to you and I as well. So let's look at it here. The angel's response. She says, how can this happen? I'm still a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is even in now the sixth month of her pregnancy. Then in verse 37, the scripture says this, for nothing is impossible with God. There are other verses that put that in the positive. They say it just a little bit differently. They say, with God, all things are possible. Do you understand the story that Mary goes through? The story of Christmas is that you and I are never alone and we are never without hope. You should never say, well, I guess it's too late for me. I thought everything was going to work out. I expected to be married. I expected to be promoted. I expect to be close to my kids, and none of that's happened. So I guess I should just give up on life. I should give up on my dreams. I should just settle for less than I thought I would have. The Christmas story, and in particular, Mary's portion of this story, is that nothing is impossible with God. Do you hear me? Some of you are really battling through chronic sickness and illness. I want you to hear, not from me, but from God himself, nothing is impossible. Healing is possible in your body. It is 100% possible. I don't know if God's going to do it, but I can tell you that he can. You are never alone and you are never without hope. I hear God saying to me, Dan, children are possible. You don't have to give up on that dream. 
You can still trust me in this area. Some of you are separated. You're estranged from your parents or your kids or your brother. And God wants you to hear that reconciliation is possible. It is possible that your situation can be turned around. Some of you say, I want to believe, but I can't believe. I wish I had faith like the rest of you guys around here in the theater, but I don't. God wants you to know that belief is possible. Promotion is possible. Miracles are possible. Nothing is impossible with God. And if the Christmas story teaches you nothing else, it should be that there is always reason for hope. If you find yourself in the middle of a plot twist with all of your questions and your uncertainties, the things that you never expected, the things that you never asked for, I just want to point you as we close out this morning to what Mary does next. Because this is where the rubber meets the road. This is what I want you to take to heart. This is what I want you to put into practice in your own life. Look at Mary's response here. The last verse we'll read this morning. Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. The best possible advice that I can give to you is to cling to these words. In the middle of your plot twist, in the middle of the unexpected, in the middle of the roadblock that you were never looking for, never asked for, I want you to speak these words. God, I'm your servant. And may everything you have said about me come true. Hey, this leads us to our bottom line. This is the one thing I want you to walk away from uh, knowing this morning. This is the thing that I want you to hold to. And we'll come back to this prayer here in just a sec. Mary's story teaches us when you don't understand what God is doing, remember what God has spoken. When you don't understand what God is doing, Why, God, why would you give me a a miraculous pregnancy that nobody's going to believe? Why would you do that? Mary, I can't give you that answer right now. One day you will understand, but for now, I just want you to trust what I'm telling you. God, why would you have me grow up with such a desire to have a family and then not give it to me? God says, Dan, I can't tell you that right now, but I want you to trust what I'm saying to you. You can take whatever uncertainty, whatever plot twist, whatever difficulty, whatever thing that infuriates you about God, and you can bring it to him, and he'll say, I can't give you the answer yet, but even when you don't understand what I'm doing, you can trust, you can remember, you can cling to the things that I've spoken. This is why it's so important, you guys, that you actually dig into the Bible on your own. You need to have a Bible. If you don't, when you walk out the front doors, all you have to do is go to the big orange banner and say, hey, Dan said there were free Bibles here. Can I have one? And they will give you a free Bible. Take it. Because as you start to read through the scripture, you know what you find? You find what God has spoken. You find the promises that God has for your life. You find the characteristics, the qualities, the things that God sees in you and calls out from you. I'm going to put a list of them here on the screen. This is not an exhaustive list. This is not every promise that God gives in the Bible, but here are a few of them. I'm a child of God. 
I'm God's beloved creation. I'm totally and completely forgiven. I'm Jesus' friend, and Jesus is my friend. I am a new person with a brand new life. I am a place where God's spirit lives. I am created in God's image. I am a child, a citizen of heaven. I am greatly loved, and I am never alone. When you are faced with a plot twist, When God brings something your way that you are not ready for, you didn't ask for, and you don't know what to do. When you don't understand what God is doing, I want you to cling to the things that God has spoken. So this morning, here's what I want you to do. In your own mind, I'm not going to ask you to share this with anybody. I want you to, what's the plot twist? Think about it. What's the thing that is happening or has happened to you that's just, it's in your soul, you don't understand, you're not happy about it, it's not what you wished for, it's not what you expected. I want you to take that thing, that plot twist that God has sent your way, and I want you to cling to one of these promises. I want you to find one that you need. Take one of those. And then I want you to say with Mary, God, I am your servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Let's say that together. Can we do that? Just say it out loud. I don't care if you believe it or not. Just say it. That's okay. All right. God, I am your servant. May everything you've said about me come true. The Christmas story, when you look at it through fresh eyes, you see not just random people that lived thousands of years ago who went through circumstances and situations that you could never relate to. You don't see Bible heroes that you'll never measure up to. When you look at the Christmas story with fresh eyes, you see the Christmas story, or I'll put it this way, you see that your story story is really just a microcosm of the Christmas story that the same things these people are going to go through, the same things we'll talk about over the next few weeks, you are dealing with and going through in your own life as well. And so when you don't understand what God is doing, you can always cling to what God has spoken. (laughs) 